Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is Exposure 107, discussing Johnny Manziel. So let's go ahead and rewind the tape a little bit, talking about one of the former Heisman Trophy winners, somebody that was electrifying not only in high school but in college, and granted, he did not go on to have a successful NFL career, but you know was able to play some professional ball. So let's go ahead and dive on in, starting with some background with Manziel. Manziel was born in Texas and grew up playing a variety of sports like most kids do. He attended Tyvee High School, focusing on baseball and football mainly. However, football, especially in the state of Texas, drew a lot of attention to Manziel, who was compared to quarterbacks like Brett Favre, Michael Vick, and Drew Brees while he was still in high school. During his sophomore season, he played primarily as a wide receiver, but ended up starting at quarterback for the fourth game of the season. He went on to share this position for the remainder of the year, finishing with 1,164 passing yards, 806 rushing yards, and 408 receiving yards for a combined total of 28 touchdowns. Then in his junior year, he was the starting quarterback full-time, finishing that season with 2,903 yards through the air, 1,544 rushing yards, and 55 total touchdowns. He was voted the All-San Antonio Area Offensive Player of the Year, and was the District 27-4A MVP, so a pretty good junior year. He was able to capitalize on this success going into his senior year, which was really one to remember. He had a 65% completion rate with 3,609 yards through the air for 45 passing touchdowns with only 5 picks. He also carried the ball extremely well this season, rushing 170 times for 1,674 yards, and 30 touchdowns. These are unreal numbers. And just to put a cherry on top, he also had one touchdown reception and returned a kickoff for a touchdown. So he had a combined 77 touchdown senior year, which really doesn't get talked about enough because this is a historic year and he was really a do-everything kind of guy for his high school football team. And with what came with these crazy stats was that he built up the accolades that entire year. So he was the District 28-4A MVP, which was a unanimous selection, Class 4A First Team All-State, and then for the second straight year, he was the San Antonio Express News Offensive Player of the Year. But it didn't stop here. He was the AP Sports Editor's Texas Player of the Year, the Sub 5A First Team All-Area, and Prep Star All-Region and Super Prep All-Region. Oh, by the way. He was also named the National High School Coaches Association Senior Athlete of the Year in football and also won Mr. Texas Football in 2010. So taking a step back and looking at his high school numbers over his career as a starter, he completed 520 passes at a 63.5 completion percentage, 7,626 passing yards, throwing for 76 touchdowns, And then on the rushing side, he ran the ball 531 times for 4,045 yards and 77 touchdowns. He also caught 30 passes for 582 yards and another five touchdowns. Fantastic senior year, fantastic high school career, and he moved on to do great things collegiately. But before he went on to play for Texas A&M, and to no surprise after putting up numbers like that, I mean, Manziel was very highly recruited coming out of high school, but not so much as you might think. So other than Texas A&M, he received many offers from the likes of Baylor, 
Colorado State, Iowa State, Louisiana Tech, Oregon, Rice, Stanford, Tulsa, and Wyoming. Manziel grew up a Texas Longhorns fan, which isn't a surprise, but apparently they didn't really recruit him. It was rumored that Texas wanted Manziel a defensive back, but the Texas coach at the time, Mac Brown, went on to say that that rumor wasn't true. I mean, this has got to kill you if you're a Longhorn fan. And while Manziel didn't make it as a pro, he was electrifying in high school and college. And looking at University of Texas and their football program, after Vince Young and Colt McCoy, they have now missed out on RG3 and Johnny Manziel, both of whom went on to play for other collegiate programs in the state of Texas. And remember, RG3 went on to play for Baylor. According to ESPN, from 2005 to 2012, more than 180 quarterbacks from the state of Texas signed with other programs. Other than RG3 and Manziel, a couple other names you'll recognize are Andy Dalton, Matthew Stafford, Christian Ponder, Ryan Tannehill, and Nick Foles. Only Stafford and Griffin were actually offered by UT, and even then, Griffin was only offered as an athlete, but that didn't work out for him because he wanted to be a quarterback. But to speak more on Johnny Manziel and his relationship or lack of relationship with University of Texas, their baseball program was interested in Manziel and actually offered the option of, hey, you can be a two-sport athlete for us. However, the only in-state football options for Manziel were Rice and Texas A&M. Texas did not want him on their football team. So Manziel originally went on to commit for the Oregon Ducks in June of 2010 after receiving a scholarship offer and attending their camp just a couple days prior to his commitment. A couple months later, in August 2010, the Aggies officially offered Johnny Manziel, and per 24-7 sports recruiting, after a couple of unofficial visits to Texas A&M on September 4th and September 11th, 2010, he flipped his commitment from Oregon to Texas A&M on September 20th, 2010. This is a Texas born and raised guy. He wanted to go to UT, couldn't get it, but he just wanted to play for a big-time school in the state of Texas. Yes, Oregon is fun with the flashy uniforms, the fun offense, Chip Kelly. That's great, but he's a Texas kid, so this was a pretty easy flip for Manziel. Per an article from ESPN, Tom Rossley, he was the former Texas A&M quarterbacks coach at the time. Him and Tyvee High School head football coach Mark Smith knew each other rather well and had a pretty good relationship. Rossley seemed to like everything he saw with Manziel, from his athleticism to his throwing ability. At this time, height was usually pretty high on the collegiate coaches' wish lists, and at this point, this was before Russell Wilson had helped change that. But being a dual-threat quarterback helped gather attention for Manziel amongst Texas A&M and these other coaches. Rossi was able to convince the head coach at the time, Mike Sherman, that Manziel was worth taking a shot on, so that's how they officially offered Manziel, and he was able to land that scholarship offer. Manziel went on to enroll early in January 2011, but proceeded to redshirt during the 2011 season, not playing in any games. Then in the 2012 season, the Aggies had a new coach in Kevin Sumlin, so it was like a fresh start for everybody that was affiliated with that program. After the 2011 season, quarterback Ryan Tannehill 
left early for the NFL. So it really left doubt in the quarterback room. Like, hey, who's going to be our next starting quarterback? Is Manziel ready? He's still young. But apparently he performed pretty well during spring ball and fall practices. So he won that starting job over Jamil Shows and Matt Jockle before the season began. Unfortunately for Manziel, his immaturity started to show before the season began. On June 29th, 2012, Manziel was arrested and charged with three misdemeanors, disorderly conduct, failure to produce identification, and possession of a fictitious driver's license, which is just a fake ID. And many, many college kids have these just to buy alcohol and to get into bars. It's really not a big deal, but the problem is these charges stemmed from a late night fight in College Station, Texas. And what happened with that was he was with a friend who directed a racial slur at another person just walking down the street. Manziel ended up getting involved between the two guys. But the person that that the racial slur was directed to ended up pushing and getting involved against Manziel, who pushed back. Then those two broke out in a fight, and police arrived shortly after. It was reported that Manziel was taken into custody and spent the night in jail. To add a quick note and jump ahead really quickly, in July of 2013, Manziel pleaded guilty to the charge of failure to produce identification, and then the other two charges were dismissed. At the time of this incident, and like a lot of head coaches in college football, they prohibit freshmen from giving media interviews. So Manziel couldn't speak on this until the end of the 2012 season. And he went on to say that he had supposedly learned from his mistake. And at this point, you can only wish and hope that he truly has and that his immaturity would prove and he would become more mature as a person and a football player. So moving on to the 2012 football season, Manziel's first breakout game came against Arkansas, where he broke Archie Main's 43-year-old record of total offense, producing 557 yards. Archie Manning had 540. Two games later that year, Manziel went on to break his own record against Louisiana Tech, putting up 576 total yards, becoming the first player in SEC history to have two 500-plus total offense games in one season. This was at the point when Manziel officially started to show up on Heisman watch lists, and especially after the eighth game of the year, when the Aggies blew out the Auburn Tigers, with Manziel putting up five touchdowns, three of which through the air and two on the ground. The hype really got real for Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M after they defeated the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide 29-24, where Manziel accounted for 345 of Texas A&M's 418 offensive yards. In the following days, Manziel became the frontrunner for the Heisman Trophy in most watch lists. Later on in the year, on November 24th against the Missouri Tigers, Manziel went on to leave that game with an apparent knee injury in the first quarter. This is definitely something that you don't want to see with your star quarterback. However, he was able to return to the game with a knee brace on for the next offensive series and still finish that game with 439 yards of offense, three passing touchdowns with two more rushing on the ground. During that game, he broke the single season record for offensive production in the SEC with 4,600 yards passing Cam Newton and Tim Tebow, both of whom were notable recent Heisman Trophy winners. He became the first freshman and only the fifth player in NCAA history at that time 
to pass for 3,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards in one season. Manziel went on to win multiple awards this year, including the Heisman Trophy, making him the first ever freshman to win that award. Unfortunately for Johnny Manziel, even after a very successful first year as a starting quarterback and a Heisman Trophy winner, he kept drawing attention to himself and not in a good way. In the offseason before the 2013 season, there was more controversy and more attention being drawn to him as he was kicked out of the Manning Passing Academy for allegedly oversleeping, and then he got kicked out of a frat party at the University of Texas. These aren't the biggest deal in the world, and we're not going to make a big deal of it ourselves, but this just continues to show that, okay, he truly hasn't learned from his mistakes. Maybe the hype is getting to him a little bit, and you know, you almost feel untouchable if you're a guy in his position. But nonetheless, going into the 2013 season, the Aggies were pretty much riding the hype train as they started off ranked number sixth in the coaches' poll. And a quick note here. I mean, this is Texas A&M almost every year. They're hyped up every single year, and then I feel like they go eight and four almost every time. Now, they've recruited very well, right? They just finished with the number one recruiting class in 2022. And that is really what you need. And that's the first step you need in order to meet and beat Alabama, let's just say. And that's what Georgia did. Georgia was able to pull in the number one recruiting class a couple times over the past couple of years. And so once you get that talent in, you can win some games. Texas A&M has always recruited well. But now that they pulled in the number one class, we'll see what they can actually do. But going back to the 2013 season with Manziel, True controversy started to surround him at this time, with his eligibility being questioned for the season after reports surfaced that he had signed autographs for money in January 2013. Later on in the year, on August 28, 2013, the NCAA reached an agreement with Texas A&M to suspend Manziel for the first half of the team's first game against Rice, though apparently there was never sufficient evidence that this ever occurred with Manziel taking this money for signing autographs. In May of 2021, Manziel went on the show Bustin' with the Boys, which is a podcast through Barstool Sports, pretty much going on to say that he was first approached by a man at the airport in Miami who told him he would give Manziel about $3,000 to sign some autographs. For a college student and college athlete like Manziel, he said yes and jumped into this pretty much without question. He went on to say, quote, I may or may not have gone back to this guy's condo and signed 10,000 pieces, end quote. While at the condo, another man who was bringing the pictures over to Manziel for him to sign pretty much told Johnny that he was getting ripped off and to go to this other guy. He gave him his phone number and told Manziel that he'd give him $30,000. The only thing Manziel had to do after signing these autographs was send a picture of the signed memorabilia and when he was done, Manziel would get texted a code to a safe that was inside the room that held the cash. And then out walked Manziel with $30,000. Quote, probably for the next four months, I went to that guy's condo once a month in South Beach and knocked that shit out. End quote. Circling back to the 2013 season, Manziel still put up big numbers. Against number one Alabama, again, he threw for a school record 464 yards and five touchdowns, but the Aggies ended up losing 49-42. Manziel went on to finish that year fifth in the Heisman Trophy ceremony, 
and redshirt freshman Jameis Winston took home the Heisman that year. We mentioned earlier in the podcast that it was pretty much down to baseball and football for Johnny Manziel, and even though he focused on football, I do want to circle back and just touch on baseball briefly. So clearly Manziel was talented, and we've seen this at this point, but he also grew up playing baseball. In high school, he played baseball through his junior year, but skipped out on it in his senior year just to focus on football. His passion for baseball didn't diminish, however, as he briefly discussed the possibility of playing collegiate baseball with Texas A&M's baseball coaches, but this really never came to fruition after winning the starting quarterback job as a redshirt, as a redshirt freshman. In the 2014 MLB draft, he was actually drafted in the 28th round by the San Diego Padres as a shortstop, and his baseball career pretty much ended here. So let's talk about Johnny Manziel's professional career, starting with the NFL. So in January 2014, Manziel announced that he would forego his redshirt junior year at Texas A&M and enter the 2014 NFL draft. He was projected to be a first-round pick, and draft stock continued to rise by a consensus of experts who had him pegged as actually a top-five pick. This came from Russell Wilson comparisons and that prototype, because at this point, everybody was trying to find the next Russell Wilson. However, some experts and talk show hosts like Fox Sports' Colin Cowherd had their doubts surrounding Johnny Manziel. And for someone like Cowherd specifically, maturity matters, and Manziel clearly still had a long way to go in this field. Manziel continued to be one of the most polarizing athletes in pre-draft history, with some scouts varying from Russell Wilson comparisons to saying that Manziel was undraftable. Former head coach Barry Switzer criticized Manziel, going on to say, quote, I don't like his antics, and I think he's an arrogant little prick. I've said that, and I'll say that again, end quote. According to Manziel's Wikipedia page, on draft day, teams were starting to pass on Manziel. While he was waiting to get that call, he texts the Browns quarterback coach at the time, Dowell Loggins, that he plans to, quote, wreck the league in Cleveland. Loggins forwarded the text to head coach Mike Patine, who made the decision to draft up and drafted Manziel with the 22nd overall pick. Maybe controversy isn't the right word here, but his lack of maturity, if you will, showed very early on in his NFL career. In August of 2014, Manziel was fined $12,000 by the NFL for a hand gesture, which he just flipped the bird, in a preseason loss to the Washington Redskins. Quarterback Brian Hoyer was named the starter over Manziel for the first regular season game in the 2014 season. Later on that year, Manziel did go on to make his first start, but it was in Week 15 against the Cincinnati Bengals. It didn't really go too well, as he went 10 of 18 for 80 yards and two picks, for a grand total of a 27.3 passer rating, which is not good. The Browns also lost that game 30 to nothing, and he didn't have a great rest of the season. He went on to battle a hamstring injury later on that year, and then eventually his work ethic and commitment were starting to be questioned by multiple sources amongst the Browns organization. And actually, an anonymous player went on to call Manziel's rookie season a 100% joke. Manziel stayed with the Browns until 2016, when NFL Network's Ian Rappaport and ESPN's Pat McManaman reported that the Browns planned to cut ties with Manziel. This just wasn't about his play on the field, but Manziel was also being investigated for a domestic violence incident with his ex-girlfriend. 
Manziel went on to be officially released on March 11th, 2016. And then he went on to mess around in the CFL and the AAF, which is the Alliance of American Football, for a little bit. Manziel made his debut for the Birmingham Iron in March of 2019, but suffered a concussion the following week, which then led to the AAF suspending football operations three days later, ending the 2019 season. In 2020, TMZ asked Manziel about the possibility of, of playing in the XFL. Manziel announced his retirement pretty much by saying, quote, I think football is a little bit behind me. Football for me is not the forefront of my mind, end quote. And while he's not officially retiring here, he didn't actually rule out a comeback, but it seemed like he was done. However, in December of 2020, he signed with fan-controlled football, which was an upcoming indoor football league. And then in February 2021, in an interview, Manziel said he pretty much joined the league out of boredom and expressed disinterest in playing any more professional football in the future. At this point, it was officially time for him to hang it up. Unfortunately, controversy had followed Manziel throughout his entire football career. In the 2015 offseason, Manziel was involved in incidents that stemmed from fights with hecklers, ex-girlfriends, partying, failure to report to meetings with the Browns, more domestic violence accusations, drug and substance issues, and was officially diagnosed with bipolar disorder in February 2018, speaking publicly on this in an interview. This is just a perfect example that shows a couple different things. One being how hard it is to go from high school to college and then the jump to the NFL, but also how important it is that you have your head on straight and that you can take care of things from a maturity perspective. So we know that there's a jump from high school ball to college ball. Granted, in high school, it's pretty easy for a lot of these guys, especially if you're really good as you're growing up, then you're told you're, you know, you're God's gift to football or basketball or whatever the case may be. School's pretty easy for you. High school's pretty easy for a lot of people. Then you get to college, and if you go to a big-time program, like Texas A&M, there are so many support systems set up just to make sure that you are successful. You have tutors, you have meetings, you have all sorts of things that will make sure that you keep your head on straight. You also get second chances, you also get a slap on the wrist, and usually at this point, you obviously play really good talent, especially in the SEC and against Alabama. But you're a stud like Manziel. You had 77 touchdowns your senior year of high school. You're probably going to go on and do something against Alabama if you play them in college. And that's what he was able to do. Then the jump from the NFL is just astronomical. I mean, not only do you have to be mature, but when you're the Cleveland Browns, and I mean, we know who the Browns are. They've made some really bad picks over the last decade, especially in the first round. But... If you are drafting a quarterback in the first round, you are essentially saying, hey, look, we think you are going to be a franchise guy. Here are the keys to the organization. We're putting it on you, and we think you're going to do good things for us. Clearly, this was a bust, and not only from the view of just playing the game and athletically. Now, look, you know he had some good passes. He had some good moments. He's an athlete. He can run. He can move. But he just couldn't get it done. And even if he was super mature, even if he had his head on straight, 
and made better decisions, he wouldn't still be in the league today. Okay, so that will conclude this week's episode of Silent Exposure. We'll take a rating or review if you have one on Apple Podcasts. Those are always most appreciated. Also, if you're new to SE, a little bit about us. The whole reason behind this show is to dig into some details and specifics and provide you guys with some real content. I know for me, all too often when I'm watching the national media, I just get tired of surface level analysis and generalities. And so this show is just about digging in deep and figuring out details that you may have forgotten or you may have not known. And that's the goal. We release episodes on every Sunday. And these are called our exposure pods. And there's really two types of exposure pods. We rotate one or the other. But the first one is we take a deep dive into a new Power 5 football program every week. So anything from Oregon to Ohio State to Oklahoma to Alabama. And within those pods, we'll take a deep dive into, okay, how did they perform the previous season? How are they looking in terms of recruiting and future and buzz around the program? NIL impacts and then within those pods as well we'll take a look at oh do you have a new coach you know do you have a new support staff do you have new players and we'll do miniature deep dives into those guys just to give you some details on hey this coach came from this he worked his way up this path you got this recruit you got this quarterback what was his background and where did he come from the second type of exposure pods that we do are similar to what you are listening right now with Johnny Manziel. There have been so many big-time stories that have impacted college football, from coaches to players to teams to dynasties. These are the pods that we really like to talk about, and there's so much info here that we're able to dig in, give you some background info, and just educate you guys. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Silent Expose, and then at Silent Exposure on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stay tuned for more content coming your way every Sunday. And as always, thank you for listening.